What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where we post all of our different show links, different articles, news and notes. Everything uh, that we put out on the baseball side gets posted at EthosFantasyBB, so please do be checking it out. We have a very special episode today. We are joined by Keegan Matheson. He is a Blue Jays reporter for MLB.com. You can find him on Twitter at Keegan Matheson. Keegan, thank you so much for making the time today. No, happy to be here, Joe. Thank you for having me. For anybody who doesn't know exactly what you do, you want to just maybe give us a quick background on what it is uh, you do exactly for the Blue Jays? Yeah, I watch baseball and write stories about it. It's a weird little job uh, I have, but I I cover the Toronto Blue Jays for MLB.com. I do some work for MLB Network as well, but... uh, no, full-time uh, beat reporters. Where the Blue Jays go, I go, uh, which means right now I have been in Florida a very long time, which is a, an interesting life. But uh, soon off to St. Louis and, and KC to start the season and eventually, thank God, back home so I can remember where I live and uh, what my apartment looks like. But uh, for now, just wrapping up spring training down here in Dunedin, Florida. That's really awesome. It's a dream of mine to, to do something along those lines. So it's very cool to be talking with you. Uh, before we talk about individual things, in terms of a broad sense of the team, do they look better than they did a year ago to you? Does this team, uh, do you think in general we're going to be seeing better results on the field? Are they going to, overall, what are your thought? what's your thought process on uh, what you've seen so far in spring training, essentially? Yeah, I think they're different. Uh, I don't know if they're better. We'll figure that out eventually. But they're a different team, and I think that's good, and I think that's important because – the last few years, regardless of who the names were, you know, some names and faces have changed, Marcus Semyon to Matt Chapman and so on and so forth. It's changed, but they have kind of been a team that tries to beat you up offensively. And now I think they're a team that can do that in different ways. Because when you get to September, October, ideally early November, you're going to have to win some two-to-one ball games, some three-to-two ball games. And last year's Blue Jays weren't really built for that. Now that they're a different team, now that they're a little more defensively minded, they've got some speed, so you can steal that extra run. I think they're much better built for those close games when it really matters. Because it's, I think, something we've learned in recent years, or learned again, that baseball in the playoffs is a bit different than baseball in the middle of June. You are not going to get the Baltimore Orioles calling up a lefty from AAA to pitch on a Tuesday night game, you're getting somebody's version of Jacob deGrom every single night. So I think this Blue Jays team, are they better? Eh, we'll see. But they're different, and I think they are more diverse. They can win a different array of games that maybe they were a little more one-dimensional last year. Yeah, they certainly seem deeper in all aspects. Maybe the bench isn't so much deeper. It's it's relatively a wash from what we saw last year. But I think you could argue the lineup is is a little bit deeper, even though they lost to Oscar Hernandez. Uh, bringing in Dalton Barshow, Brandon Belt. It looks pretty solid in terms of individual position battles. I think we know who's going to be in the outfield. I don't think there's been any real change there. And from what you've seen, it's going to be Springer and right, Barshow and left, and Kiermaier in center, you think? Yeah, that's right. The, the lineup itself is pretty set. I, I think you'll see it moving around a lot, of course, with Kirk and Jansen behind the plate. That's as good as a catching duo gets in baseball, period. I think that you're going to have Whit Merrifield, Santiago Espinal, Kevin Bisho. That's going to move a lot. Those guys will be responsible for some left and right field as well. 
But in terms of lineup depth, you're right. There will be nights where Whit Merrifield might be hitting seventh or eighth. And this is a guy who can really hit. This is a deep lineup, really not any black holes. And it's a lineup that can sustain an injury or two, frankly. You hope that doesn't happen if you're the Blue Jays or a fan. But opening day, assuming that it's Kirk catching Manoa, the Blue Jays could have Danny Jansen on the bench, who's a power bat I really like. I think he's going to have a big year. You could have Espinal on the bench, who was an all-star last year. Not huge numbers, but still all-star. And you could have a Kevin Biggio on the bench, a guy who's really good to bring out in the bases late in games. That's a nice bench. Maybe an Otto Lopez as well. That's a really nice bench for John Schneider. An injury or two, you've still got some depth there. They're in a really good place. So you think it's going to be Merrifield getting the majority of the reps at second? That's what you're I do at second base. I, I, I At second base, I think if a righty is on the mound, I think we see Merrifield at second base. If a lefty is on the mound, you need to get Santiago Espinal in the lineup. He crushes lefties. And... You know, typically when I'm covering games, when I think of a lefty masher, I'm thinking of a big DH type, not a, a utility infielder. But Santiago Espinal really sees lefties well, and he hits them extremely well. So I think in that situation, when a lefty is on the mound to start, you see maybe Whit Merrifield out in left field, giving maybe a, a Kiermaier or a Varsho a day off if they need, or a DH day. It'll look different every single time, but... Espinal will certainly be a good option off the bench as well against late lefties, but I think you need Merrifield in there as much as you can. He's a guy used to playing all 162 who can be very, very productive and very good in the bases, but it's going to look different, I think, every single day. There's not going to be much of a set lineup here. Yeah, one thing I'm kind of curious about is the DH at bats and how those are going to be split because they're going to want to have Kirk and Jansen in the lineup as much as possible but they're going to want to get Vladdy off his feet every now and again. Springer as well is going to need some days off. I, I'm I'm very curious to see exactly how that gets broken up, uh, those at-bats. Yeah, I think if you're looking at six games a week, maybe Belt has four of them. Maybe Vladdy sometimes has one. Maybe Springer gets one every once in a while. I don't think that anyone else, like a Chapman, a Bichette, uh, you're not DH and Kiermaier. I don't think Varsho sees too many there. I don't believe they want to be DHing their backup catcher too much unless it's a really good matchup. Let's say Kirk is starting behind the plate and there's a really good fastball matchup for Danny Jansen, maybe. But I think you'll see majority belt and then that other 35%, that extra third, will be mostly Vladdy and friends. So that'll be some George Springer, definitely. Hopefully right field will be easier on his body, but uh, that's kind of the mix they'd like at this point. It's Kind of a permanent DH, but definitely room to wiggle around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of the last lineup spot or in terms of the last bench spot, uh, do you think it's going to be Nathan Lukes or Otto Lopez? Is there any way that uh, the wind seems to be blowing in that regard? I like Otto Lopez right now. Uh, it, it is quite close. And frankly, at the start of camp, I thought the Blue Jays would add another outfielder and make this simple. But then you started seeing Biggio in right field, Merrifield in left, and that changed. Otto Lopez is a guy who has, and this is from me included, maybe me primarily, deserved more respect as a prospect these last few years because all he has done is produce. We talk about guys with upside, oh, just wait, he's going to hit, he's going to hit for power. Otto Lopez has been doing that at every single level, whether it's in single A, double A, triple A, in winter ball. He went to the WBC and looked good. 
the reason I like Lopez off the bench is because his swing is so contact focused and it's pretty simple. So he is a guy that can sit there and get cold and collect dust for four days, then come up and at least put the ball in play. Is he going to keep hitting 300 like he does everywhere? I don't know. We'll see. But he also offers some defensive versatility. He can back up Bo at shortstop. He's a quick runner. He can be one of your fastest runners right away on a a team that's already pretty fast. So I think he really checks off a lot of boxes there. Now, Nathan Lucas is a guy that deserves an MLB shot at this point. He'll get it at some point this year, I believe, and I hope. I, I like to see those guys who have been productive in the minors get what they deserve. But Otto Lopez, I think, is just such a nice fit at the end of a bench. He can do so many things. Yeah, I, I, you obviously are way more informed than I'm going to be, but I tend to agree uh, on that particular front. Let's move into the pitching uh, aspect of things. Have you liked what you've seen out of Jose Barrios so far in spring? Do you think this is going to be more of a bounce back year from him? Well, yesterday was was better. Yes, two days ago, whenever that was. Time is a bit of a blur here now, but <laughs> yeah. in his most recent spring outing, we'll see because. With Berrios, I think he is the ultimate example of something that doesn't get talked about enough in in pro baseball, which is that everybody in major leagues, everyone in MLB, every pitcher can strike out Mike Trout. Every hitter can hit a home run off the best pitcher. It's about consistently being your best. The great players are always at their best, and they can maintain that high level. But last year, you saw Berrios lose that. What he used to do such a good job of from 17 up until 21, that's five years, was being the very best version of himself every single time. That's really, really hard to do. That takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of the right adjustments. Then last year, he got caught in a bit of a game of adjustments. He was chasing and never quite found that consistency. It's all about consistency for him. So I think a lot of this comes down to just simplifying. Just go out and play baseball. He's good. When he got that contract, I loved it. I never want to go back on original opinions and say, oh, it was a bad extension. That's a lie. I loved the contract at the time. I thought it made a ton of sense for both sides. Still a lot of time for it to look great for both sides. Last year was the ultimate outlier. I think he will improve this year. It's just a matter of, is he going to get all the way back to who Jose Barrios was? Because that was one of the better, more consistent pitchers in baseball. If he does that, which is a big if, the Blue Jays might have one of the AL's best rotations. If he can get back to being, let's say, a 4.1 ERA guy, okay, that, that's good enough. You know, you're holding down that number four spot, but he's got a lot of power. You know, it, The difference between his floor and his ceiling, that's a few wins for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, his career ERA is 4.24, and that's factoring in the 5.23 that it was last season. Mm-hmm. He had been from... Back from 2017 all the way through up until last year, consistently like a 3-5 to a 3-8 ERA guy. Last year was just literally the worst case scenario. From right up from the get-go at opening day, uh, it was just bad, and it just kind of continued to be bad. But definitely hoping for a rebound. He's got a 2-7 ERA in the spring. I-, I think we can definitely see an improvement from Barrios. Definitely hoping for that. Now, you say Kikuchi has looked pretty dominant in spring. The only thing that kind of sticks out to you is he's got a 14% walk rate. But other than that, he is the second most strikeouts of anybody in spring. He had nine Ks today. He's the fifth starter, I think, at this point. That seems all but assured. But are we trusting him all season, do you think? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what you say. He has done his part. And, and to his credit, you say was a guy that really cared about this. Um, last year, it might have gotten to him at some points. He, he really wanted to come in and, and be a guy that could be reliable. And he wasn't. 
at times. That's not a secret to anybody. But I think over this offseason and over this spring, he's really impressed a lot of people. And it's also important to keep the bar in mind for a number five starter. You don't need to be much in the major leagues. There's a lot of teams rolling out openers, rolling out bulk guys, prospects. There is not really enough starting pitching depth in the big leagues right now. And if you say can go out and give them that mid four ERA, get through some five inning games, that's a good start. That's that's a very good start. And his walk rate is going to be a concern. But as long as he spreads those out, that's okay. There were too many outings last year, way too many, where he could not find the strike zone for the first inning or two, and it was pretty painful. That really ramps up his pitch count, ramps up everything else. So as long as he can get into a bit of a groove early, that's important. And that's another guy who I think will benefit just from a fresh start period because he was trying to make adjustments on the fly last year. And when you're trying to do that against the New York Yankees in July, you're toast. That's really tough. So I think getting a fresh start for him just in the most basic of terms is a pretty good thing. Yeah, I'm definitely there with you as a number five starter. You don't need more than average at best, you know, four, one, four, five kind of ERA. I mean, he's just a year removed from being an all-star. I know that it was kind of a great first half and a bad second half for him, but that's shown what he can be. A lot of teams would kill to have a former all-star as a number five starter. Uh, now, in terms of the bullpen, I'm loving the bullpen as currently constructed. Now, Nate Pearson got a save today. My question for you is Jordan Romano is clearly the closer, but, uh, you know, worst case scenario, something happens to Romano or let's say he's just he's just awful. Is Pearson somebody that you think would have a chance to maybe assume that role? I, I think a lot would still have to happen for Pearson there. I think you'd go to Swanson first. I think they trust Jimmy Garcia big time in those situations. Pearson, for me, his ideal spot is more that two-winning kind of throwing it back to what like a Dylan Batances used to do with the Yankees. You know, the inning and two-thirds, two innings with power out of the bullpen. It's We haven't seen a lot of guys sustain that over multiple years. It's, it's a pretty rare role. It's something we're seeing more of now, kind of like a, a high-powered bulk role. You know, all these buzzwords that clutter my brain and I don't much love. But, you know, getting them up above one inning, closer to two, but still pitching with real power. For Nate, it's just about throwing strikes, period. His stuff is good enough. It's always been good enough. It's about throwing strikes and staying healthy. So right now, I could see him being one injury or one bad start away from a legitimate role in this bullpen, and I think he's really embracing that mindset as well. I talked to him about going down and playing winter ball, which is a perfect place for him because he's pitching in games that matter pitching in high leverage innings and did a very good job with that down in winter ball. So he's embracing it. He is completely a reliever. I am so happy to not be writing those stories anymore about will he or won't he be a reliever, but um, it, it might just take a little extra polish in Buffalo. We'll see how these final few days shake out in terms of if they need to IL anyone like a Mitch white, but Pearson has put himself right there. And I think he's best in that one to two, you know, one and two thirds, two and one third type of multi inning role. So you think that he's, there's a chance he'll start the year in the minors still? There still is, I think. He might be right on that bubble. Yeah. Uh, in terms of another guy who went down to the minors, that's Addison Barger. Uh, I thought he had a chance of maybe making the team as that last man up or last man on the bench, I should say. Um, I think he'll be up at some point this year. If you agree, do you do you think he will be? And when do you think that would happen with that? Yeah, I think he'll uh, 
I would bet on him making his MLB debut this year, just a little more seasoning. I think Addison only had eight games in AAA and is coming off of a spectacular season last year. He's earned every bit of the hype he is getting. But the beauty of AAA is that you get beyond the AA top prospect type of starters where Ricky Tiedemann types are, and you run into that 30-year-old kind of quad A starter who's going to throw you a million curveballs and just show you a bunch of slop. And that's a really valuable stage for a hitter, especially a young guy with a big swing like Addison Barger, because he's going to be going up against some more veteran arms who are going to try to outthink him, not just throw sliders and fastballs by him as hard as they can. That's a really important developmental step. So he'll get a little bit more of that. But he has as much momentum as any prospect in the system right now. All he did was help himself more in spring training. And down in AAA, he can also play some more outfield, which is going to be important for him. He plays some shortstop, plays some third base. Matt Chapman's a pending free agent. That's important. But playing a little bit of left field and right field, trying to get because he has a huge, huge arm, trying to get that versatility, it only creates more paths up to the big leagues. So if there is an injury, if you get a couple months in, and someone like a Kevin Biggio is really struggling, you, you can look into other options there and, and Barger. I think within that first month or two, after he can get his feet wet and put up some numbers in AAA, he's an option whenever you need him. I don't think you need to wait much longer after that. Yeah, I'm hoping we don't have to wait too long. Now, you mentioned Ricky Tiedemann. How long do you think we're going to have to wait on him to make his Major League debut? Mm, I'd be looking towards maybe midsummer. He'll be starting in AA, I expect. Um, the, the left shoulder soreness that he's had here, that's nothing to worry about. Just uh, precautionary with a guy that's that good. you got to be really careful. So that might eat into the start of his season just very slightly. Not an injury, just him ramping back up after that precaution. But I think when he starts out in AA, if he can go down there and torch AA hitters for a month, you get him to AAA. And we have seen with Alec Manoa before, even though that's a bit of a different situation, that this team is not afraid to be aggressive. You know, across baseball, people are not afraid to be aggressive now with young pitchers because they are getting so good so fast. Now, at the same time, if Ricky Tiedemann is learning some lessons this year and spends the whole year in the minors, hey, next year he's 21. He's still really, really young. But I think what you saw in his spring debut there at TD Ballpark a few weeks back when he got a couple of strikeouts, looked so good in that inning. That's what he can be. He is he is ready to pitch in the big leagues right now, period. Like, hard stop. He's a big league pitcher, absolutely. But lots of guys are when they're still prospects. It's about getting them into the routines and day-to-day mindset of being a starting pitcher because you want to set them up to succeed over the next five, six years, not just come up real hot and pitch a few innings. So I think that's where the Blue Jays are now, but it's going to get awfully, awfully tempting. Yeah, I mean, they're strong enough in the rotation. They don't need to be rushing him. I think they can be very competitive, especially if Kikuchi and Barrios are even just a bit better than last. I mean, Barrios hopefully is a lot better than last year, but even if they're just a bit better, we're still talking about a team that won, I can't remember now if it was 91 games a year ago, 92 games. Even if they just get up to 95, 96, uh, I think that they could win the division with that. Pretty handily, I think the Yankees have dealt with a lot of stuff recently with their pitching injuries. I think that the Jays could be uh, a front runner potentially in the American League East. Am I crazy there? No, I think so. The Yankees, of course, are talented, but there's also, a, you know, injuries have never been the Yankees' friends. So when you get to talking about the Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, 
they're all good. You know, we can nitpick who's going to have one or two more wins. They're all good enough. So it's about staying healthy and staying consistent. And the Yankees have had some health problems in the past. Is Aaron Judge going to hit 61 again? Probably not. There's some ways that can regress a little bit. I think the the Rays will always be there, always be a good team. The Orioles, they're not there yet, but I'm telling you, this team is, is going to be fun to watch. If you're just a, you know, I know that you might hate the Orioles if you're a Blue Jays fan listening to this, but I think that team is kind of where the Blue Jays were a few years back with a really exciting young core. Will they spend the money? We'll see, but they have an opportunity as good an opportunity as almost any team in baseball these next few years to ramp up and succeed. That's a, a fun organization that could be on the rise, but just not yet. And Boston, I don't think, will be much of a factor there. So you're looking at another three-horse race, and the Blue Jays have, I believe, more upside than either of those teams. More upside to really go on runs, to really string it together. And if injuries do come up, like we talked about earlier with the lineup, you can handle one or two of those. They're going to happen. I am going to write 20 stories this year about a guy going on the IL. It's just how this works. And the Blue Jays are set up pretty well to handle that, at least positionally. Yeah, I agree. I think they're deeper than the Yankees and the Rays in the lineup. I think their rotation is, and I think the bullpen, maybe some people might argue the Rays, but I think that the Jays, uh, they really made some uh, some some strong strides in terms of bolstering their pen this offseason. Is there anything else in terms of spring training news that you think might be pertinent for people? I mean, this is a fantasy show. If anybody's going into their fantasy drafts, maybe not even necessarily from that point of view, but just anything else that you've noticed in spring that might be pertinent for even just the average Blue Jay fan to keep an eye on this season. Yeah, you know what? It's been a really quiet camp, and I was talking to a couple of Blue Jays uh, executives, uh, front office guys today, and I, I said to them, you, know, you guys must be happy because at this point I'm really reaching for stories. And they kind of laughed and said, yeah, the, the, no news is good news in spring training. And when you look at the regulars, there, there's a lot of reason for optimism with some of these core star players. I am very high on Bo Bichette going into this year. I, I've written it and said it on TV a couple of times now, but I, I think maybe there's a shot at that 30-30 season. It's only happened twice in Blue Jays history, but he wants to run, and we know he has power. Bo looks real good. I think he's going to have a big year. I think Kevin Gossman, just from the nature of Babip luck, bounces back. I think he is an elite pitcher in the American League, and Vladdy's got to bounce back a little bit as well. I think his mindset's in a much better place. Last year, he was admittedly to us a bit anxious, trying to recreate that 2021 numbers. So you will have other guys who regress. You know, we talk so much this time of year about who's the breakout candidate. Well, guys regress as well, even the good ones. So we'll see. But I think that when you look at the core players like Gosman, Bichette has really caught my eye. I can't say that enough. And the, the way I describe it to people is usually which name gets brought up to me most unprompted in camp because I spend enough time in spring training bugging people and asking them questions. But every year there's someone that people bring up to me and say, hey, have you seen this? Oh, I think this guy. Last year that was Ricky Tiedemann, and that surprised me because out of nowhere everyone's telling me to go watch this 19-year-old. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll get around to it, but – this is my first day in camp. I'm not going to go watch some kid who hasn't thrown a pro pitch yet. I was dead wrong, and they were all right. This year, everyone's talking to me about Bo Bichette. So I, I really like where he is at, and he is someone who just fully understands who he is as a baseball player to a level that's pretty rare. So going to be an exciting year for him, I believe, but it's been a quiet camp. It's uh, 
a different feel around this team. And like I said at the start, no news is good news in spring training. There's a lot of bad stuff that can happen down here. Not usually a lot of good stuff. And the fact I haven't been writing a lot of news stories is very good news if you are a Blue Jays fan. Yeah, absolutely. With all the with all the injuries happening around spring, you got a knock on wood, but we mm-hmm. haven't seen that so far. Uh, good, like you said, no news for the most part is good news. But uh, Keegan, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I can't even imagine uh, how much stuff you got going on. So uh, you 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 carving out some time here means a lot. Hey, absolutely. Thank you. You guys can check out Keegan's work on Twitter at Keegan Matheson. Of course, he's the Blue Jays reporter for MLB.com. And like he said, he does some work with MLB Network as well. Definitely a follow on Twitter. Definitely somebody that you should be keeping up with. Guys, we will see you again next week. Until then, take care. Have a great night and cheers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.